And now he asks us to be a living sacrifice, to lay down our lives for what he's called us to do. And as our missionary friend here just a moment ago stated, I mean, if the least we can do is pray. So I want to encourage you tonight to get you one of these prayer commitment cards, fill it out, and and then I want you to keep the commitment to pray for these folks. And I'll tell you that if Brother LeBeau can go to a place that is as inhospitable as the Middle East is, oftentimes to Christians, the least we can do is pray for them as they go. And so let's be sure we get by there, visit with them, commit to them that you'll pray for them uh, in their ministry. Take your Bibles out tonight, Matthew chapter number 6, or sorry, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter number 6, you want to go ahead and be turning there when you find it. If you can, let's stretch our legs a little bit and let's stand together. Mark chapter number 6, appreciate the good spirit this morning, appreciate you doing the will of God, and I hope you'll do again the same tonight. And if you'll listen fast, I'll preach fast, and we'll get to ice cream fast, but if you don't listen fast, it may be a while coming before we get back there. It'll be a milkshake before we get back there. Mark chapter number 6, let's pick up together in verse number 30. We'll read down several verses and then we'll pray unless you be seated. Mark chapter number 6, look at verse 30. The Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and they told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many, many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. That would be a discouraging thing for me, to go, to go on vacation, to get away, or try to rest. And the people beat you to the place that you were going to. Verse 34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place. And now the time is far past, send them away that they may go go into this country round about into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. When they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. They sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. Last verse, verse 42. And they did all eat and were filled. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, that what we read is not a fairy tale, but Father, what you did and Lord, I'm thankful that you are the God we serve today, and we're asking you to do a work here tonight, Lord, much as you did there. We ask that you would do something only you can do, Lord, not only in the lives of the lost, but the lives of the saved here tonight. And I pray, Father, we would be receptive, and we would respond to the invitation time, and just, Lord, decide even now we're going to be obedient. And we'll, Lord, bless you, and Lord, we pray that you be glorified through all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to continue a... A kind of a series, a little bit of a Bible study, but I believe an important study we've been looking at the past several weeks on growing beyond. 
And how oftentimes in ministry, there are things that we have to learn to grow beyond. And I will not repeat the illustration over and over again, but sometimes there are things you cannot get over. Uh, You cannot move beyond. You've got to grow beyond. And tonight, uh, I told you this morning, we'll be looking at something that probably will affect all of us at one point or another, and it may be affecting you right now, and that's the topic of growing beyond weariness. I believe weariness is something that attacks us all and something that we all eventually will go through in our life, particularly as we serve God in a very inhospitable world to Christians. It's not easy to be who God's called us to be in 2019, and uh, we have a tendency because we live in a flesh body to get spiritually weary as we get physically weary. And I believe as we read in Mark chapter number six, you see a time where the disciples were somewhat wearied. Uh, To give you a little context of what's going on here, we picked up in verse number 30, but if you'll go back just one verse, uh, the Bible's describing us the account of where John the Baptist has had his head taken off of his shoulders. These apostles knew him. These apostles had walked with him, served with him, and many of the apostles of John, those that followed John before Christ came onto the scene, were here. And can you imagine how you would feel serving God and seeing someone you were as close to and someone in the same field as you are in and following the same calling that you are are, are following to have his head chopped off? I'm going to say at the very least that would be disappointing, if not depressing. And yet Christ, the Bible says, they come to him in verse number 30. The Bible's begin to tell him all the things that they had seen and done and all the things that they had taught. And notice verse 31, Jesus recognizes a need in their life. And he says, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Now, this is important to understand tonight because Christ knew all too well what was going on in their heart. You know, oftentimes we hide it from others and we hide weariness and we don't like to show weakness. Listen, I'm a red-blooded American man and I have just as much pride as the next guy. I don't like to show weakness and I don't like to say that I don't know how to do something. Uh, You want to get me to do something, get my wife to ask me, do you think you could figure this out? I don't care what it is. I'm going to try or hurt myself trying to figure it out. Jesus knew all too well what they needed what was interesting as I read this is what Christ prescribed for them. He's looking at them and he knows what's going on in their heart. He knows what they've seen. He knows what they've gone through. He knows their heart is heavy. And he tells them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. This is what's amazing to me. Christ knew what was about to happen. He knew what was about to happen. He knew that before he got to where he was taking them, that they would run into people who also had needs in their life. And it almost doesn't seem to make sense, does it? That here they are wearied, they're heavy-hearted, and here they are having a tough time of all of what just happened to John the Baptist, and they go to get a break, and yet they run into more people that have needs in their life. It almost seems contrary to the way that we would think that the way that we would work our way out of weariness is through service to God, but this is exactly what Jesus prescribed. You see, he knew what they needed. He knew what was going on in their heart, and he knew that their spiritual levels were getting low, and he knew knew that they needed refilling and re-spiriting, if you will. That's what the definition of the word tonight, weary, means. It's a lack of spirit or a depleted spirit. I think all of us have probably been tired at some point in the life with our flesh, where we get tired physically, 
But being weary is when our spirit is exhausted. It's when we have spent all of our spirit that we have and our spiritual levels are running low. But I believe that Mark chapter number 6 shows us how that we can grow beyond weariness. Now, If you're not careful tonight, weariness will take you out. Spiritual weariness will take you out just as much as immorality will. Because your spirit gets low. The Bible says a wounded spirit, who can bear? You can't stand to run on low spiritual levels very long. You've got to have your spirit replenished. And I I believe tonight Mark 6 shows us, and I know it sounds crazy, but I believe Mark chapter 6 shows us how to work our way out of weariness. And tonight we're going to look at a simple subject of growing beyond weariness. And the subtitle to that would be working our way out of weariness. Now, don't turn me off, okay? Some of you, I mentioned that bad four-letter word, and you turned me off when I said work. Told you this morning we're going to figure out how to grow beyond weariness. And as soon as I said work, you turned me off, and you're trying to decide what you're going to put on your ice cream in just a few minutes. I can already tell by your face because you're drooling. You don't realize it, but you're already drooling. No, don't turn me off. Christ knew what his disciples needed. He knew that they were growing weary. One of their friends, one of their followers, one of their co-laborers just had his head chopped off. And how their heart must have sunk and their spirits were low and yet he prescribed exactly what they needed, whether they realized it or not. So I believe there are three things, Mark 6, that show us how we can have our, our, our spirits lifted just a little bit. Notice, if you will, look down. The Bible says, verse 32, that this was a desert place. The Bible says the people saw them there, and they outwent them and met them there. And verse 34, when Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, the Bible says he was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So Jesus didn't miss a beat. He's showing us an example. The Bible says that Christ is our example. So Christ does not miss a beat. By the way, he loved John the Baptist more than the others did. He loved John more. He was hurting at the thought that John had just lost his his life as well. And yet notice he did not miss a beat. And the first thing that you notice that he did, he observed an opportunity. I believe if we're going to work our way out of weariness and we're going to grow beyond spiritual weariness where our spirits get depleted and our spirits get exhausted, one of the things we've got to learn to do is try to observe opportunities. Now, here's the problem. Christ noticed the opportunity of helping the people because that was his purpose. That's why he was there. Do you know oftentimes when I start to get spiritually weary, can I tell you what has happened? It's a red flag to me. It's like the dummy lights on our car. It's a red flag to me. When I begin to get spiritually weary and my spiritual batteries begin to run low, oftentimes I find in my life I've begun to focus on the problems instead of my purpose. The disciples obviously looked at these people that were there. I mean, can you imagine them? Look, I, look, my flesh is still very much alive. If I'm trying to go get away and try to get a rest and try to get relaxed and look around, and here comes the problem. His problems were waiting on him there. I'd be in the flesh. I'd be like, you folks got to go home. Look, I need some time. Hey, we got to digest all that's happening here. And yet Christ, instead of seeing the people as a problem, Christ saw the people as part of his purpose. 
Oftentimes, the reason we get depleted spiritually and we start getting weary is our focus and our attention is on the problems rather than the purpose. If you're not careful, people will become a problem rather than part of your purpose. I think oftentimes we see people with problems and we shy away. And as a young pastor, I've told you before, I asked my dad, where do you find the good people at? Like everybody that I run into seems to have problems. But no, instead of seeing problems, Christ saw part of his purpose, why he was there. I believe the reason the 12 missed it is they looked at the people as a problem rather than the purpose for which why they were there. You'd be amazed at how often you would not get spiritually weary if our focus was on our purpose rather than the problems that come along with our purpose. Jesus didn't miss a beat. We see this in Paul in the book of Acts. The Bible says that when Paul saw the city of Athens, it was a city wholly given over to idolatry. You know what I would say? Fooey on you. Hey, you're the way that you are. This is your decision. I'm going to go find some people that want to hear about Jesus. But no, the Bible says that Paul's spirit was stirred. What did he do? The Bible says he went and disputed with them. He went and preached Christ to them. You see, rather than look at Athens as a problem, Paul says, hey, this is my purpose. This is why we're here. Be amazed at how distracted you would get away from your weariness if our focus was more on our purpose and our priority than the problems that come along with it. I cannot believe tonight that uh, the greatest disappointments that we'll find when we get to heaven will be the opportunities that we missed because we labeled them problems. Man, I... I'm not going to knock it on that door. Have you heard about that guy? Look, I can't go share Christ with, with them folks. Don't you know what that neighborhood's like? It's probably kind of like, you know, going from heaven down to earth. I'm so glad Christ left his neighborhood. He lived in a gated community. Aren't you glad? He left his gated community to come down to this stinking place. Why? Because we were part of his purpose. He didn't look at us and see problems. He says, hey, that's why I'm here. It's like an emergency room doctor walking in the room and saying, all these people are sick. Yeah, that's why you're here. No, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say that, folks. This is what we do oftentimes. Our focus gets off. Our, our priorities get off a little bit. Galatians and, and, and 2 Thessalonians, the Bible tells us, be not weary in well-doing. Now, why does he say that twice? Be not weary in well-doing because there's a temptation to get weary. There's a temptation to start focusing on the problems that come along with ministry rather than the purpose that comes along with ministry. I remember when we moved to Monroe, our people thought I was crazy. We don't have a lot of homeless people in Carson. That's my mom and dad. They're here tonight. Don't have a whole lot of those there. And so homeless people is kind of a new thing for me. We moved to Monroe. I says, you know, we have homeless people here, real ones. You know, opportunities to go reach these people. And some of our folks from Monroe were like, yeah, we have homeless people. Folks, there's a purpose. Get distracted with your purpose and you'll be amazed. The problems will grow strangely dim. This is what Christ did. Christ didn't say, oh, no, here come those people. No, he says, the Bible says, there were sheep without having a shepherd and began to teach them many things. Rather than seeing obstacles, why don't we see opportunities? Instead of seeing people with problems, say people that are part of our purpose. It's interesting when you read both accounts where the Bible says in Galatians and Thessalonians to not be weary in well-doing. The Bible says, for in due season we shall what? 
reap. Notice it's going back to our purpose. He's telling you, do not be weary in well-doing. Keep your mind on your purpose. What is our purpose? To reap the harvest. That's what we're here to do. And you get distracted with your purpose, you'll be amazed. The problems aren't so big anymore. We see Paul in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. The Bible says that he knew that bonds and afflictions waited for him in Jerusalem. He knew that. He said, I go bound in the spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, Save the Holy Spirit witnesseth in every city that bonds and afflictions. Now, I don't know about you, but I would call those problems. Matter of fact, bonds and afflictions would have a temptation in my life to make me weary. I would not like to go anywhere that bonds and afflictions were at. I'd like to go where I'm welcome with open arms. And when I answer the door, when people knock on doors and people answer the door, they say, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's what I'm looking for. But Paul says this. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course. Why didn't the bonds and afflictions weary Paul to where he quit his service to God? Because his focus was on his purpose. Paul says, these things don't move me. These things don't slow me down. These things don't scare me. Why? Because my focus is on my purpose. Folks, look, you get focused on your purpose and why God left you here, and after a while, you'll begin to forget about your problems. It's exactly what Christ did. So number one, try to observe opportunities. This is what Christ did in verse number 34. So flip over, if you will, to verse 37. I already had to flip in my Bible. Verse 37, we see something else. Christ distracted them from their problems with their purpose. In verse number 37, he says something interesting He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He asked them how many loaves they have, and they tell him five and two fishes. And he commanded them to sit down, and, and he fed them. Now here's what's interesting. The disciples in verse 37 are asking, How are we going to meet this need? This need is too great for us to meet. There's no way that we can help all of these people that are here. Can I tell you what they are signaling? They are signaling a problem in the faith department. So Christ looks not only at the need of the people that were there, he looks upon his own disciples and says, you know what, I need to help them a little bit in the faith department. Number two, how do we grow beyond weariness or work our way out of weariness? Number one, we try to look for opportunities. Number two, be sure to refuel your faith. Be sure to refuel your faith. If you're not careful, your spirit will begin to run low and your faith tank will begin to run low and you're about to run out of gas. Because if you can't do it by faith, let me tell you, it's not going to be done at all. The Bible says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. I'll tell you, in my life, I can't tell you anything about yours, but I'll tell you, in my life, oftentimes, weariness helps me to realize there's a problem in the faith department. I start wondering, can we get the job done? Am I ever going to get to know all 500 people that are here? I don't think I can do it. I give up. Am I ever going to be able to do what God's called us to do here? Can I tell you, when you begin to grow weary, it's showing you that you're now trusting yourself to get the job done rather than trust Christ to get the job done. It's a lack of faith. There's many times in my ministry I studied out and I know what God wants us to preach and I I don't have time to get my notes because I had to go here and I had to go there. And I tell God, I can't preach tonight. He says, why? Because I don't have any notes. He says, why don't you trust me? I'm not sure about that. 
He said, it was supposed to be me all along. You see, I began to get weary and worrisome that I could not do what I'm called to do because I was looking to me to get the job done when he says, you know what? It was me all along that was supposed to be the one getting it done. Sometimes I believe we get comfortable and forget that it was God that was going to do it anyway. We get weary because we're trying to do the job ourselves. Can I tell you, if it was up to those 12 men to feed those thousands of people on their own, sure they would get weary. And I believe tonight so many of us get weary in the will of God is because we're trying to do it ourselves rather than depend on God to do what only God could do. Folks, we cannot do this. We have a wonderful church, wonderful congregation. We have wonderful staff, wonderful programs. But all of that put together cannot do what only God can do in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Folks, in the end, it's got to be God. I believe in my life, so often, most of my failures are faith failures. I believe if you'll look in your life, you'll probably see many of the same things. Think about Peter, if you will, for a moment. Peter's walking on the water, and he's doing well. And then he begins to see the storm blowing. And Peter begins to sink, getting weary, going down, going down, going down. When Jesus picked him up, what did he say to him? Oh, ye of little faith. Can I tell you why Peter was sinking? It was a failure of his faith. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're thinking like me tonight, oftentimes the reason I get weary is because I'm trying to do it. I've got to get it done. I told Brother Carney the other night, for many years, early on in my ministry, man, I would try to convict people. Man, I, I try to, man, I try to convict people. I would try to draw people. I realized after a while I was not very good in the conviction business. I was not very good at drawing people business. Try to polish up the sermons where they sounded so good to, to draw people in. And sooner or later I found out that the only way it was going to get done was God was going to have to do it. I was about to burn out trying to figure out how do I become the preacher where people get saved in the invitation. How do I do that? God says you can't. You can't feed the 5,000 that are there, but I can. You see, we have a faith problem, I believe, in the church today. Do you remember when Jesus came to Peter and he says, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, Peter would fail, would he not? He would fail. Why? If you'll keep reading that passage of Scripture, Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Can I tell you, when Peter denied Christ three times, it was a failure of his faith. It was Peter saying, I can handle this. I can do this. I can handle the devil. Hey, we'll go toe-to-toe. I remember telling my mom that years ago. Boy, if the devil was here, I'd go nose-to-nose and toe-to-toe with him. Yeah, and he'd destroy me. Because in my power on my own, without him, I can do nothing. We get weary and we end up doing nothing for God. I know a lot of Christians tonight who've gotten out of the ministry uh, or either just Christian folks serving in a church who've quit ministry and they just come and they sit, they soak, and they sour. Why? Because they got weary. Why did they get weary? Because they tried it on their own instead of trusting God to do what only God could do. Our camp is named Cherith down there in the woods where the kids just came back from a few weeks ago. And uh, that's the name my dad gave to it many years. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we have where... God tells Elijah to go camp out by the brook Cherith. And that's where the name came from for our camp. It was Cherith Baptist Church that was there. 
And um, I was reading that this afternoon and thinking about what happened in, in 1 Kings 17 and 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 17, the Bible says that Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, it's not going to rain. Not a popular move to make. It's not going to rain. Look, God's going to hold off his rain. It's, it's not going to rain on the earth for three and a half years. It's not going to happen. Ooh, that would be something we're kind of unpopular. So God tells him in chapter 17, I want you to go hide out by the brook Cherith. And I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now that's quite a story that a raven is going to feed somebody who's camping out by the river. He said, you'll drink of the brook and you're going to eat uh, bread and flesh from the raven that is there. Can I tell you what I believe God was doing for Elijah out there? He was refueling his faith. Out there by the brook Cherith, Elijah just had to trust God for the water. He had to trust God for the raven to come by. And he's fueling him up. Why? Because in 1 Kings 18, he's going to go stand nose to nose with Ahab. He's going to need every bit of strength that he has to do the will of God in his life. So God says, I've got to strengthen your faith just a little bit. Folks, I believe tonight, if we're going to accomplish the will of God at Central Baptist Church, it's going to be by God and God alone, but we've got to make sure God has filled up our faith level just a little bit. We've got to learn to trust God to do what only God could do. Anytime we get to a place where we're weary in doing what God says we're supposed to be able to do as a Christian, a red flag ought to be going off that I have a problem in the faith department. Hebrews chapter 11, you know I was going to mention it. I think every message I mentioned Hebrews chapter 11. Never neglect those two words at the beginning of so many verses in Hebrews 11 where it says by faith, by faith, by faith. You know what that's showing you? What was in their gas tank. That's the fuel that provided them the strength to do what they did. I was thinking this afternoon about a young man that used to work for my dad, and, and I worked for my dad as well. And my dad sent him one day uh, in the, I believe it was a gasoline truck, to go and fill it up with gas. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it was diesel. Was it diesel that he put in the gas truck? I believe he did that. And uh, we heard him coming up the hill, and it looked like one of those mosquito trucks going down the road, spraying. It was just horrific. Like, what did you do? You just went to the gas station. How could you tear it up between here and there? And come to find out, I think it was diesel that he'd put in the gas tank. And man, you could look at that truck going down the road and tell there was something bad wrong with it. And you could trace it all the way back down to what was in its fuel tank. I believe when you look at the church today... You see the church about like that old pickup truck. And we're just smoking. We're not running very smooth. We're starting and stopping, clunking and jerking here and there and back and forth. Can I tell you what's wrong? It's what's in our fuel tank. We're trying it on our own. Only God can do what God wants to do in this place. Why don't we decide we're going to empty out all of self and let that fuel tank get filled up with faith and trusting God to get it done? This is what he's telling them in Matthew chapter number seven, or in Mark chapter number six. He says, I want you to trust me to do what you cannot do. Because if you try to do what only God can do, you're going to get weary. That's why the church is getting weary today. We're trying to do what only God can do. So number two, be sure to refuel your faith. And the last thing I want you to see, the Bible says in verse number 37, he answered them and said unto them, give ye them to eat. So here they are, they're heartbroken, they're tired, they're weary, and Jesus puts them to work. 
give ye them to eat. And then you look at verse number 38. Or verse number, I'm sorry, verse number 39. The Bible says he commanded them to make them all sit down. So here goes Jesus telling them, I want you to get busy. I want you to get busy. The third thing I want you to see tonight on how to grow beyond weariness or work our way out of weariness is to stay busy with service. Stay busy with service. One of the most dangerous reactions to weariness is when we recoil away from our service to God. We start getting tired, we start getting weary, we start getting run down, and so here's what we do. I see this all the time in marriages. Marriage starts to get weary, start having trouble in the home, and the first thing they quit on is God. Well, I got to get out of church while we sort all this out. You'll never sort it out out of church. That's probably what the root of the problem was to begin with is you started out of church. And the answer is not less church, it's actually more church. So what Christ does in the face of their weariness and their heavy heartedness is he puts them to work. Here's the problem. Oftentimes we recoil from service and we recoil from our purpose. As Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 says, we give place to the devil. We give place to the devil. Here's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 6. He simply says, here's a basket. Here's a basket. Pass out some fish. It's amazing how you can get distracted from the problems and weariness and the heartaches of your service to God if you just keep serving God. Stay busy serving God. I'm telling you about my mom. I don't know if they're going to be here tonight, so uh, this is not a compliment just because you're here. I planned on saying it anyway, okay? So I'm trying to, you know, work in that favorite kid status in my parents' household, you know? But... Um, my mom has a lot of health problems, kidney disease and lupus and a lot of things along that line. And I asked her years ago, she was going to the nursing home. Her mother started a nursing home ministry. My mom has a nursing home ministry and she bakes little pound cakes for people and delivers them around town. And I asked her, well, aren't you feeling bad? Dad told me you weren't feeling good today. She usually always has a smile on her face. You can't tell it. She says, I am. But if I stay busy, I don't notice it as much. She got busy in her service to others and forgot about the needs of herself. Now, look, I'm not talking about neglect your health, okay? I'm not telling you you don't need to take a break and slow down from time to time. But the last thing you need to do is abandon your service to God. This is what he's doing with them. It's amazing how they don't seem to mention needing refilling after this. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse number 45, after they had all fed them, he tells them, get into the ship. Let's go. Get into the ship and let's go. They didn't realize it, but the key and the answer to the weariness that they had was to get refueled. And tonight, I don't know what you're called to do, and I don't know what your service to God all entails, but I want to encourage you, if you start feeling weary, make sure you're doing the things that you already know to do. A lot of times we will look toward the future. What do I need to do next year? What do I need to do next week? And we'll neglect the now. God's not going to show you what's next until you focus on what's now. Just simply do the things that you know that you need to do and be faithful to what you know you're called to do and get busy serving God and stay busy in your service. And you'll be amazed. You'll outrun that weariness after a while. I love what the Bible tells us about Daniel. The Bible says that when Daniel knew the decree was passed, 
Now, I want, to, I want you to know if there was a law passed that you could not preach the word of God in America, I'd sit long, long time back there in that office trying to decide what I ought to do. The Bible says as soon as Daniel knew the law was passed and it had been signed, the Bible says he went home. The Bible says he opened up his windows. His windows were already open. The Bible says he bowed down on his knees and he prayed three times. Listen close. As he did aforetime. Daniel just stayed busy doing what he knew he was supposed to be doing. The weariness didn't catch up with him. Tonight, folks, if we're not careful, weariness will catch up with us. And weariness will drag us down. And believe it or not, weariness will do you in. So let's make sure we be careful and be faithful over the few things. Let's just do what we know we need to do. So here's simply what Christ did for them. He showed them how to be aware of the opportunities. Tonight, if you're getting to a place and you're starting to get weary and you, all you see is the problems involved in ministry, rather than see the problems, let's see our purpose for why God left us here. The second thing tonight, make sure we refuel our faith. Oftentimes we get weary because we're trying to do something that only God could do. They could not multiply the fish, but they could carry a basket. <laughs> I can do that. Now, folks, look, you can't do what only God can do tonight, but there's a few things God has given us the privilege to be able to serve him in, and let's make sure we're doing that. So it simply boils down to this. Let's check on our focus. Let's make sure we see our purpose rather than our problem. And then let's check on our faith. Make sure it's us trusting God to do what only God could do. And then lastly, let's make sure we're faithful with what we know to do. There was a, give you this and I'm done, there was a tree in New York City several years ago. My wife and I went there for our anniversary. And uh, there's a tree there with a, a, a guardrail around the tree, right between the twin towers. If you've been to Ground Zero, the two massive holes where the foundations were at, um, you see this tree there and there's a guardrail around it. There's a plaque on that tree and it says the survivor tree. The survivor tree. So I began to read about what it was about. And when the twin towers fell, they fell on top of that little tree that was there. And after they cleaned out all of the rubble, the tree sprung back to life and, and started to put out leaves again. And then when Hurricane Sandy, I believe it was, hit, it battered the tree, knocked the tree over. All of these things happened to it. And not long after that, the tree just stood right back up. And they built a guardrail around that tree, and they call it a survivor tree. And back there in my office, I picked up one of the leaves. Brother, you're talking about video. I hope this is not illegal to own one of these leaves, you know. <laughs> Cut it quick, you know. But I picked up one of the leaves, and I keep this in my office. It's a leaf off of the survivor tree. And that tree has survived the crashing down of the towers. That tree has survived the, the hurricane Sandy that moved through there. Why? Because it was rooted. And I said, you know what? I want that leaf in my office. I picked one up and I look at it from time to time. Sometimes it feels like everything's crashing in on top of you. Sometimes it feels like the winds are battering you back and forth and I just can't keep going on. That's why we've got to be rooted. Let's be rooted in our faith. Let's be rooted in our purpose. And let's be rooted in our faithfulness. And that way weariness will not have a chance to catch up with us tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stop there. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.